0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional terms apply. The closer for the Angels is the undertaker
1: of the bullpen. And there they even have a horse to go along with his nickname. A horse with a name, but with darkness in its soul. The Angels marketing staff has... A new
0: high. I I love it, but I also have so many questions. It's hilarious to me.
1: Well, I mean, the last time that horse intimidated any team was back in 2000. Never. And nothing screams like my social media department or media department is a millennial like that plastic horse, so <laughs> well, I think they got that thing at Spencer Gifts, so.
0: And where is Spencer Gifts at the mall?
1: Well, in my mall, Spencer Spencer Gifts is located in between Things Remembered and Build-A-Bear.
0: Oh, dear. But Seriously, what is this? I love it in a way because it's so weird. This is probably the weirdest thing that has happened in Orange County ever, well, I and mean, at the same yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you come out? The only thing I thought about last night when Hansel Robles came onto the back was I was like, oh, God, the horse well, I mean, is back. And and then Alex Colomay also called himself that on Players Weekend. I have a lot of questions because Carlos Lee I thought was that dude.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of White Sox, <laughs> Carlos Lee El Caballo is the horse.
0: He is the OG horse. Like, yes. Why is this a discussion?
1: I I, I don't think it is. Alex Colomay can try to claim his own nickname, but that from a a few weeks back <laughs> on NBC Sports Chicago, when you and Brian Anderson, yet another of the former baseball uh, luminaries of, uh, of Chicago that you sit next to sometimes on NBC Sports Chicago, were dissecting the, the Angels' latest attempt <laughs> to do something wacky. They're, I mean, they get a lot of credit for Rally Monkey. Because, they do. Because Rally Monkey was impactful. It was fun. It was chaotic. It didn't make a damn bit of sense. And it has inspired imitators all around. But now they apparently have closer horse.
0: Well, first of all, did I think that I was going to get on the radio this morning and hear you say Rally Monkey was impactful? It it was. Uh, Yeah, I I get it. He loves The Undertaker. So that's where it came from. But at the same time, first of all, Ansel at the time last Saturday had... 19 saves to his name, earned his 20th, I believe, in that game. Uh And he had had 22 saves total in his career. But, yeah, man, let's do some weird horse intro. And I am correct. My dad lives in Orange County, and I'm here to tell you that that is likely the weirdest thing that's ever happened in Orange County. No
1: chance. It's just south of L.A. All the weird, freaky the, the stuff that goes no. on in California. No, no way. Orange
0: County is as simple in that respect. I think as it gets. I the I, hipsters are all in I, L.A. or San Diego. No, if you no, want to go off the grid? You go to the desert. Yeah, but weird. You
1: just said weird. I mean, because I know you go to Joshua Tree and like some really weird really stuff goes weird. on out there. Let's get but, weird. It, but I'm sure there's been like really bizarre crimes, just insane murders oh, that yeah. have gone on in yeah. Orange County that make you. Say why and that, how would you kill somebody like
0: that? But that's not clever. Like that's not getting weird with like a horse mask uh, for uh, a baseball game.
1: Okay, well, I guess that it's the definition of weird that we have to struggle with.
0: Here. Yeah, okay, you're right about
1: uh, that. And 10:04 might be early for you to do it. I'm used to being up at this time. This I'm rolling.
0: My Let's voice go. is so
1: much lower this morning. It, it happens. <laughs> it happens. Layla Rahimi is here. I'm Matt Spiegel. It's Hit and Run right here on 670. The score. You got time to take your phone calls and talk some baseball with Layla if you want to at three Two six forty four Um, I have been an object of either derision or appreciation for my genuine place that I have come to, and I want to talk a bunch of White Sox with you this hour, and we will. Yeah, we but, can
0: talk both teams, as you know.
1: I, I know that's that's, All that's thirty
0: if you want to. I
1: know that's why I was excited to talk to you. You've worked for MLB Network in the past. You love the game. You follow the game. You've worked in different markets as a as a local baseball human, and you cover both teams on on Chicago Baseball Tonight. Is that the name of the show?
0: Baseball Night in Chicago. I was so close. Jets Pizza.
1: Ah, uh, there you go. I was so close. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's like so. It's it's been it's a nice opportunity to talk a little, a little relaxed bipartisan Chicago baseball action, as I like to do every once in a while. A few weeks back, I had uh, Colin Faulkner and Brooks Boyer here together, the two marketing directors at the same time. How was that? That was really fun. Was it a steel cage match? It, it, They like each other a lot. They're really they're good friends. So that I think it made it better. I think so.
0: Colin, fun fact. I first met him at Cubs convention and he goes, yeah, I used to listen to you on the ticket in Dallas. Uh, I'm like, oh, man, we are taking it way back.
1: I know. Yeah, I I, I have something to bring up to you about Texas later on. But first of all,
0: it's (laughs) going to happen.
1: Here we are. So um, in hour one, I expressed it in case anybody's waking up about now and didn't. I have suddenly been hit with a massive rush of baseball optimism about the Cubs' chances to win this division. Even though they're three games back, they've got seven with the Cardinals, and the way that they're playing, the diversification of the lineup, the at-bats that they're taking, and I know it's just the freaking Pirates, but anyway, and it really goes, it, it, it was brought to mind by the fact that we're all scoreboard watching here with the Brewers and the Cardinals playing, and I, I am not of the mindset that Bruce was yesterday or some others have, have been, which is that concede the division. Just go ahead and make sure you lock up the wild card. Lock up the wild card. I'm, I'm not buying it. No. And baseball's long enough. The season is long enough that you don't have to be great always for a buck 62. You can get hot at the right time. And why not now?
0: Well, and unfortunately, aren't you describing the Cardinals level of play a little bit and saying that?
1: Without a doubt. Perhaps
0: the best example is within the division.
1: Well, this is a really good point that nobody made. And First hour.
0: Well, and it's also well. Weren't you on the show by yourself then? <laughs> I, I I understand your optimism, but I it was it's the same situation the Brewers were in last year yes, when it Christian is. Yelich just blew up. Yes. But here's when I get annoyed: is you do absolutely have to beat the teams in your division that you need to beat, uh-huh. like the Pirates. That's gotta happen. The San Diego series was sobering, and I tried to keep up. I was on the East Coast the entire week, mostly for NBC sports.
1: But that was a bad look in that series. That's a team that is is not in a non competitive mode. They've got a lot of talent, but they just they, they looked like trash in a few of those games.
0: Well, it was the typical home road split that the Cubs are dealing with. I just fear the wild card because we all know who is on the mound if if that happens. Mm-hmm. And not for the Cubs for the likely opponent, and that's what concerns me.
1: Yeah. You Uh, think
0: it's Max Scherzer, don't you? uh, Oh, of course.
1: Okay. It it will certainly be
0: Max Scherzer. Okay, well, that terrifies me, because in a small sample size and a possible one-game situation, who's your gamer? It is without a doubt Max Scherzer. And And I think that's why a lot of baseball teams stood pat at the trade deadline in the National League, was because they didn't want to give up something when they knew the likely outcome was that guy facing them.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's understandable. Now, for the Cubs, if they do get there, and, of course, they could end up hosting that, depending on how things go with the Nationals.
0: Which is absolutely what you want. Well,
1: yeah, although you hosted a one-gamer last year with Milwaukee, and it didn't mean diddly.
0: Right, but when you see the home run splits of this team and what they are, you have to have that game be at home. Certainly. Which is why you want to win the division, theoretically, in this perfect world.
1: Um, But, um, you know, if it is in that one-gamer it's Darvish, right? It's Darvish and Scherzer is what we'd be looking at, assuming that the Cubs have an opportunity to line up their, their, their rotation, if, it, if it's that. So you want them to be locked in place in one or the other, in a, it, it really, and that's going to be difficult to do here in the schedule. So like if they're fighting with those Cardinals on the final weekend of, of the season, and you know you have to throw Darvish one time of that weekend. You might not be able to have him for your one game playoff, depending on what the delay will be.
0: Well, what's interesting is we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and it was probably some of the best television that I had witnessed from David DeJesus and Scott Padzynick because we legitimately stressed out at the beginning of the month trying to figure out what we would do for a playoff rotation for the Cubs. Oh,
1: it, it's been legitimately an insane, stressed out. And it's, it's the kind of conversation that. Um, can seem silly during a baseball season. And I've been a part of those, but in this one, you know, assuming they get there, of course, and that's the part that you could argue has still remained silly, but The options are are crazy, and the way that it has risen and fallen, and when you include people's personal histories and their October histories, it gets kooky.
0: Right, because therefore, John Lester's your horse, he's your gamer, let's go. Another person with the horse nickname.
1: Yeah. We all know
0: he calls himself the left-hander, which is really just who he is as a person. It makes no sense to me.
1: But I must say, whenever I hear horse in terms of baseball, I don't think of anybody in, in particular. I think of what we're referring to Lester as, which is your... Your stud pitcher, or at least your guy who will throw every time. You're, and, and that's what Lester is, and show up and give you a decent start every time.
0: And oh, by the way, that guy was also Cole Hamels. Yeah. And oh, by the way, that guy could easily be you, Darvish.
1: Well, you'll see, Darvish is this different. year, Dar- no, relatively speaking, Darvish is, 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 could be better. Darvish is the dream. Darvish could be Scherzer esque. Darvish could be. A guy to make a dominant run, a Bob Gibson-esque run through the playoffs. Darvish's stuff is that kind of thing. What he has been in terms of a horse this year is he's been able to give you innings, lots and lots of innings. I know he missed a start because of the forearm tightness, but there have been a lot of times where are like, man, they could really use six innings and they get him. Or, they, you know, it would be nice if uh, Darvish could go seven, and he's done it. So, uh, so, in, in that sense, like, and but now with the quality of his stuff and his level of dominance, there's nobody on the staff that I can trust to be as dominant.
0: Correct. And I, I'm going to have some fun with the text line because I understand it. It's interesting because somebody says Nationals have a rough schedule. Yeah, they also have Anthony Rendon Holler.
1: And, and, and Juan Soto.
0: Precisely. And then is it really that rough when you think about that division right now? And Texter says from 847, you would really trust the mentally weak Darvish in a high-pressure situation like a one-game wild-card playoff. You're uh, crazy. He would collapse like a house of cards. I don't think so. Well. Not in this case. And did you see not, the article not, from MLB.com about how they figured out, I thought you threw seven pitches. I think
1: he does. I think that when article's he came, wrong.
0: Yeah, when he came up to the Rangers—
1: were you, were you down there working in Texas at the time?
0: I was in Austin covering mostly the University of Texas. But yeah, I grew up a Rangers fan. Okay. So when people always ask me if I'm a White Sox fan or a Cubs fan, I'm like, well, the, the fan I am is, is not the team I cover. You
1: are blessed with objectivity. You, you, yeah, that, kind is, of, except
0: 2011 ripped my b- heart from my body. I won't even talk about that. But this article says that you throws 10 pitches. Uh-huh. I had always heard seven.
1: I still believe it's seven.
0: Okay, but we, we kind of broke this down a little bit. So you've got the soft cut fastball, and this is where they get tricky. Uh, yes. The hard cut fastball. Uh-huh. Then it's the, and this is in order of appearance, by the way. Then it's the at number three, the four seam fastball, which is always what we want to see him throw more. Oh. Number four, the slider. Number five, the two seamer, which Mm -hmm. I also like.
1: The two seam, and that's the sinking fastball, which for him has a little action to the right, kind of like a screwball.
0: Yes. Runs it in, if you will, yep. and into the outside. Yes. Then number six, it's the curveball, which is famous. Number seven, the knuckle curve. Yeah. Number eight, the slow curve, which uh-huh. I, those can also come up as the same pitch if uh-huh. you're looking at MLB they uh, are, at are. They are the same pitch. Precisely. Then you've got the split-finger fastball at number nine. Uh-huh. And the change-up. Yes, at Mitchell. number 10. See, now,
1: and I would still argue that you just read me seven pitches. With yeah. them giving varieties. Slow
0: curve, knuckle curve.
1: Hard, hard, hard cutter, soft cutter. Although, the hard cutter has transformed him a little bit. Because now, I'm glad you read those off so if people don't realize, this is certainly the effect it has on the hitters. Hitters are waiting for any one of those. Well. That's the thing.
0: His bread and butter, if you go back to 12-13, was that all of those pitches came out of the exact same arm slot. They call it tunneling now. Yes. It's one word instead of like five. Uh-huh. But that's what it is.
1: That's absolutely true. Uh, Layla, there was a a gif, and that is the correct pronunciation. Um, there was a gif. Oh, don't no, it's, GIF. It's, GIF. it's gif. It's gif. Just because uh, yes, you invented the You're thing outvoted.
0: doesn't mean you get to reinvent the language. It's, it's gif. Uh,
1: hold on. Just GIF. Three, three quick facts. Number one, I'm the host of the show. So shut the hell up. So, number, uh, number two, uh, the inventor of the term said he wanted it to be referred to as Jiff, So it brought the peanut butter to mind and created a, uh, you know, just like a little mental thing to get, get you to remember it a little bit more. OK, so I give the inventor a lot of credit. Let's go back to number one before you talk. I'm the host of the show. So shut the hell up. And number three, GIF is a lot more fun to say. Okay, and number four, people who argue that it's GIF are annoying and just, you know, they're relentlessly annoying. So You just said people that argue for the word that you're saying are annoying. So you're saying that you're annoying? No, no, no. I'm saying that you argue for the GIF. Like, the people who argue on your side of it okay. are relentlessly annoying. Okay. I am
0: also on the side of GIF. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, there's, Here, there's an inherent condescension to you people, which I can feel and, and hear and is no fun.
0: Listen, and I-, I don't
1: recommend it for the rest of your life.
0: I had a real conversation about this, and just because the inventor said it doesn't mean that he gets to reinvent how you pronounce it. I don't know what he's doing over there. Uh, No, the inventor
1: does get it. He invented something. If you
0: invent the t-shirt, you don't get to suddenly say that shirt isn't a word. That's the same idea.
1: No, but I can say, look, I'm calling this thing a t-shirt. Would you like to buy one? It's a t-shirt.
0: But you don't call it a (laughs) t-shirt.
1: No, that's not what he said. This is the
0: equivalent.
1: All right. Like I, I, I think once the inventor speaks up and and validates the thought, especially if it happens to be my thought, then it really is locked into place.
0: Joe Thiesman. That's the only argument he- the only I need, Sean. <laughs> Oh Ah,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: Joe Thiesman called himself Thiesman not because that was his name, but
1: it rhymed but with Heisman. Yes, he changed it, it uh, while at Notre Dame to try and, and, and lobby for uh, for the award.
0: You can change your name, you cannot change the English language. Right. Right.
1: Uh this is all true. All right. Well, I'm glad we had that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> there there was a Jeff uh, of Yu Darvish throwing all five pitches at once a while back and it uh, and it was my favorite sports gif of forever and now there's a new one of him throwing all 14 of his strikeouts against the Padres at the same time.
0: Yes, have I've you seen, seen that. It. Isn't it Pitching Ninja on Twitter? Is he the one who did that?
1: I think so. It's unbelievable. I'm about to find it, and I will retweet it again for you because it is ridiculous, and it gives you an idea of what the hitter is dealing with as they look, as you say, at that same arm slot and have to expect any of these things uh, to come. But back to the potential of, of Darvish and a one-gamer. Operation get you darvish comfortable and confident has been a resounding success indeed it took a while it took a long time because he's a sensitive thoughtful man and because uh he got his ass kicked in the world series and because of whatever other reasons and and yes there was health issues last year but i think it was more uh, mental and everything up, But whatever they've done, whatever they've all done together, mental skills department, Joe Madden, you Darvish, his people, Tommy Hadovy, everything that they've worked on, what he's doing now, and guess what he's also doing? He's buying in fully to the Cubs scouting operations.
0: Oh, yeah. He said it on Twitter. You can't argue with Cubs data. You've got to love what he's doing. And when people talk about pitch selection mm-hmm. and you, Darvish, you don't understand sometimes how much that they make it look so easy, they make it look so effortless, but really they're doing exactly what those scouting reports are telling them to do. And when it comes to the mental side of it, I I think we don't take into play sometimes the the cultural difference. And I say that, having shared uh, heritage with Darvish. Darvish is a Persian last name. We both have Persian dads. Ah, yeah. But there's a deference there and a respect that sometimes gets misconstrued in the West. That's a much bigger conversation.
1: Yeah, well, that's interesting. But sometimes
0: people call him a mental midget, which I saw in the text line. But I think it has more to do with what's considered respectful, what's considered humble, Hmm. what's considered honest— sometimes doesn't always translate. See,
1: that's fascinating to me Um, because, and he's been here a while and you should, you know, he knows how things work in the U S and knows how things work in MLB, but still when you are one of 25 and you're dealing with that cultural difference and trying to make sure that folks understand that and you understand them as you're thinking about respect and thinking about honor and that stuff. And it is valued so much more. I can see that being a difficult assimilation.
0: I just always kind of take that into consideration. You know, cultural differences sometimes can, can be discussed when it comes to things like that. Like, is that really Mm -hmm. what we're seeing or is it something else? Yeah. But that's part of, you know, and I know, and anybody who works with anybody knows that that's part of, Part of working with people, right? That's part of knowing your personnel. Yes. That's part of your, your colleagues. That's part of knowing people.
1: Yes. And, um, you know, when I realized, and I love that you said you can't argue with Cubs data on Twitter, I had missed that. What I do know is, do you know what he does the day before every start? Now in the bullpen, he does what they call it a dry start or a dry run. He is <laughs> out there. There's some
0: bullpen joke I can make. There. Well,
1: yeah, well the dry hump is when
0: <laughs> is
1: when you warm up a bullpen pitcher and don't use him. This is a different thing. What, I know. What Dar- Yeah, I know. I know you know. But uh, what what, <laughs> what Darvish does is he goes through the entire lineup. And pitches to, pretends to pitch to every pitcher, every hitter in that lineup, thinking about the scouting report. And he physically, like, goes through the motion without throwing and really putting the stress on his arm. But it's part of the visualization Uh, part of the concentration and part of the preparation that has helped him be as great as he has been for this stretch.
0: We call it practice. You know who else calls it visualization? Lucas Giolito.
1: Same idea,
0: different terminology.
1: Let's talk about Lucas Giolito and those White Sox next on 670 The Score. She's Layla Rahimi, my guest co-host for today. It is Matt Spiegel with you on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. It's on the way into the alley, and here comes a second one. The Sox have tied the ball game. Lucas Giolito, professional hitter, drives. Yeah, that was in a pretty pair. cool. Got a hittable pitch and was able to drive to the outfield, get some runs in. It's always cool being able to hit and getting on base. Definitely different. That's um hitting superstar, Lucas Giolito. Right there from WGN-TV. Interesting time in the Chicago media landscape. WGN-TV doing its final baseball broadcasts, and I believe its final sports broadcasts in terms of full game of any kind, because next year there is both the marquee network for the Cubs that debuts and the expanded, enlarged, enriched version of NBC Sports Chicago. And my guest co-host this hour, Leila Rahimi, next year on your channel is going to be every White Sox game, every Bulls game, every Blackhawks game. I wonder how many nights that means we get NBC Sports uh, Chicago Plus.
0: A lot. <laughs> How many nights
1: does it mean we get NBC Sports Chicago Plus Plus? Or what do you call it when there's three?
0: Ooh, I don't know. That's a good question. I think like we should come up with something. It,
1: it's happened. I remember there was a night, I remember there was a night a couple years ago where something ended up on CLTV. Like that oh, was yeah. That, yeah. that was the that was the extra outpost. It was like, wait, where are the where are the
0: blackhawks? <laughs> and I think I lovingly referred to it at the time as the side side chick. <laughs> Can I do that? Yeah, I can do that on radio, right? Of course you Let's can. Go. Let's of go. Of
1: course you can. Yeah. So that's going to be an interesting thing um, next year. And uh, I, will will your show continue as it has been? Um, baseball night in Chicago.
0: That's a good question. We always reassess at the end of the season, so we'll we'll figure it out, reapproach. Mm-hmm. I wish I had an answer, but I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I know that we'll be doing a lot of baseball. Yes, you will. And that's you know we've got a good. How do I put it? We have a good roster for that when it comes to on air and the people that we work with. And Mm -hmm. we've got this great opportunity now with 162 games. Yeah.
1: I had Scott Patsednik in here towards the beginning of the year and absolutely loved my time talking to him. What a gem of a guy, huh?
0: He's awesome. And when he talks about hitting so much, I wish I had... 15, 20 more minutes in a show to just get him to discuss yes. approaches when it comes to sliders, why people are pulling the ball so much. And I said, when did you learn all of this and finally start seeing it as a hitter? And he goes, oh, the last two years of my career. I know. And it's not because it's it's uh, it was him. It's because that's how hard it is. And we forget that sometimes. I, and he absolutely. was saying that because of humility, because knowing how the game – really doesn't sink in sometimes until you have your last couple good years as a baseball player.
1: And what's amazing is that he went through that kind of humility, that kind of humbling a couple of different times because he got hurt in the minors and then failed – for a few years, like it was like a seven year run in the minor leagues for Scott Potsednik. So there was that humbling and realization that you have to kind of change things up. And then as he was a hitter and having some good years and then fading, he realized when he got here, it was when he got here. Um that he's like oh, I don't really know at all what I'm doing at the plate. And to realize that in the middle of your career is is an insane thing. But it's a nice segue back to Lucas Giolito, isn't it? Because at age 26, Lucas Giolito and his wife talk about it, and he realizes, I'm going to have to change some things about the way that I do things. And I, I had a chance to ask Giolito a few weeks ago, What was the biggest change? Because, you know, he changed like five or six different things. Yeah, it
0: was wholesale. Yeah,
1: it was wholesale. But he said, I said, what was the biggest one? And he said, mental state is number one. That he and his wife talking about it, saying, time to try new things. That led him down the path of everything else that we've read about and dissected.
0: We also know about him that he is that guy, that his mind is his biggest concern, right? So that Coop talks about it too. Coop, Coop will simplify it and say he thinks too much, which is true. But he also goes into that visualization process. Yeah, And what, what he's doing, he calls it that. All you're trying to do is find the right terminology and the right process to motivate that individual. We know he has the stuff. He was rated the number one pitching prospect all in mm-hmm. baseball at one point. Mm-hmm. And you don't fall off because you're in shape. You don't fall off because your head is not right with balls. Sometimes that happens. But it all goes back to the head part of it, right? So mm-hmm. he knew he had to do something different. Yeah. But it's one thing to to say you need to do something different. And it's another thing to just absolutely do it and execute the way he has. Yeah. Uh, His last start wasn't ideal. Uh, but no. I'm still so happy with seeing this be sustainable the way that it is. Yeah.
1: And, and, and I, I think it is. And I think the man is uh, a, a flat-out ace. And it's uh, remarkable what he's done. And uh, he, here's, the, um, here, here's the thing about that. that If you talk too – or you think too much, if you think too much and you got to – it, you're not going to stop yourself from thinking too much if you're that kind of person. So you just better think the right way. Like, yeah. better redirect it and restructure it.
0: That's why they talk about breathing on the mound so much. Mm-hmm. Breathe, reset your focus, yeah. go out there. Maddox, you know, uh, we always talk about the Vulcan grip that he does on the shoulder. That was something that was brought up with the pitching coach who's now with the Nationals. M- Mike Maddox? Mike Maddox, yeah. He does a not Vulcan Greg. grip. Yeah, I was say. And you always see it. Some pitchers don't want that. But that's partially to reset, and it does actually have a benefit.
1: Does it really? Yeah. Wait, the vulgar and he, he does it like he grabs that part of your your
0: collar. So like your, I guess it's your uh, not what is it? Yeah, uh, trap trapezius. Uh, yeah. Oh, your
1: trapezius. Okay. So. And if and you squeeze it hard enough, it, it resets something. And he's
0: not Mr. Miyagi. But <laughs> it is supposed to calm somebody down. It's like an interrupter. Uh huh. So, but this is all mental stuff that we're discussing.
1: Well, this, I, I love this stuff. I can't get enough of this stuff. My wife, who was just here, you guys saw each other. Yes, you know each other. Yes,
0: happy to see Christine.
1: Um, the, um, she is, has laughed at me about some of this. But now I think she wants me to try it. This, this, it's a version of what Giolito and Cease and others do, that brain canics. Have you seen that stuff? Brain
0: canics, What? That's I, too many words together. I
1: want in on it. I want in on it. Here's what it is. the They hook up all these neural feedback sensors to your head, okay? And you sit there and you look at a visualization of your brain waves. And when you are calm, okay, the it looks like a very controllable circle. It just looks like, oh, look, there's my brain calm. And then as you start thinking about, Stressful situations, and these pitchers now use it, met first and second, nobody out, and they start thinking through the situation. And the brain waves start to get more chaotic on your screen.
0: Isn't this like that frying egg in the pan where you go, This is your brain? This is your brain
1: on drugs. No, this is this is a video game. This is actually playing a video game with your own brain. So you watch the brain waves getting chaotic, and you're like, Okay, second and third one out. I've got a right-handed power hitter up, or whoever it is, what am I gonna do? And you see your brain waves get out of whack.
0: You trust James McCann, throw down the finger, let's go.
1: Well, you think about whatever works for you you're like okay breathe what am i gonna do i'll probably throw my fastball and i'll try to hit this spot and i can hit this spot and if i don't then i'll like you start thinking about that visualization and and you see your brain waves go back into that controllable circle on the screen so you practice
0: doing that but if that's what you need to get there then that's all that matters yeah, right. And, and Whatever that's it is. It, right. Some dudes, it's ball hit balls. Some dudes, it's, hey, you're a catcher. What are you doing? Okay, let's do that. Yeah, you know
1: how it is. Absolutely. So some guys, some guys, like you give stuff like that to some guys. are like, what the? No, 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 no. But Gialito and Cease and others have a brain for that. It's like, it's, it's like quantifiable meditation by, all of a sudden.
0: By the way. If you ever watch, you will notice that they are always next to each other. and So now I'm like, what is the name that I'm going to come up with for these two for Mm. a bromance? And it's got to be Cecilito or something like that. (laughs) So I'm working on that. Uh, Texter has a good question that I would like to discuss. Let's say you speaks. Yes. Uh, It says from 630 with little fanfare, Abreu is having a career here. You think the Sox are going to put a competitive offer to keep him? And by the way, can we shout out Tim Anderson, who is leading all of baseball right now in batting average? Okay, thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah, he is. He's having Abreu is up there in RBI total. He has surpassed his career RBI total. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting situation because have you heard a lot of of the back and forth that's been going on with Abreu? We wanted to talk about it a couple weeks ago, and we just didn't have the time. Okay, but. Abreu had come out and said that Jerry Reinsdorf had told him that he was going to be a White Sox. Yes. And
1: and Abreu wants to be a White Sox.
0: Correct. So... All leverage is gone in this negotiation situation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I I don't know why, if that's the case publicly, that this hasn't happened yet, but clearly something is afoot.
1: Well, maybe they just need a little more space and a little more time to do it. Like, you don't necessarily need to do it right now. If you have... What they've achieved is a level of comfort that they're going to sit down and talk in good faith.
0: Yeah, but to, to have it play out in the public... I appreciate the honesty. I always love it when people are actually candid in public. Right. But is, is that how you want to play the situation?
1: Well, I think Abreu is the one who's given up the leverage.
0: Yeah, uh, theoretically. You know,
1: because like it, it's natural that the team, a team would say, yeah, we want to keep him. Okay, and then they can do whatever they want. We're used to teams lying all the time. Oh, yeah. The, but the player is saying but he wants to be here. change. Yeah.
0: We forget about that.
1: Yeah, with that, absolutely they do. Here's the thing about Abreu. Well, there's a couple things. Number one is that the relationship with the organization is tremendous. Reinsdorf loves him. Remember that Reinsdorf gave him a ring when he hit for the cycle.
0: Correct. Yeah, that was just brought up recently on the Twitter.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah. So and and they have a thing. Abreu's role as an elder statesman of the Latin group of players on that team. Is, I think, very important.
0: Yeah, he's just a team leader. You even saw him hold Tim Anderson back in that fight with Kansas City. (laughs) All
1: right, Yeah, well, there you go. So he's an incredibly respected and a team leader. And with Luis Robert coming, and you want all these guys to grow together, I think you want Abreu to be there and be a part of that. Um, I do not think the market for him at his age and his particular skill set is going to be what he might have thought it was going to be or what Edwin Encarnacion thought it was going to be for him. You know, uh, in, in previous couple of years, a first baseman who's decent defensively but not brilliant, right hander with 30 home run power, they are out there. So I think he he's not going to find the market that's that's as desirable for him as expected. Now, but the other thing that, like, he if anything, he's underrated in some ways. Not just oh, yeah. not just because of the consistency of production for me, but he is a terrific situational hitter. Like yes. he's. He's a really good risk hitter, and you can see it. You watch his at-bats. You see his approach change. You see his With- he's so level and locked in mentally. I'm very impressed by him, and that is a difficult thing to find and a great thing for teammates to see.
0: Which is why he has 116 RBIs this season. Yeah. That is tied for third behind Anthony Rendon, who we don't know where he's going, yeah. and Freddie Freeman. So your your numbers prove it. He yeah. knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to find that the approaches. You by the way you mentioned Nico Horner earlier. Yes. How refreshing is that approach? Yes. Oof. Love it. All
1: right. As we jump from side to side. As Sorry. We are pro- no. I just,
0: hey, man, when you have similarities, you just work with it. Well, Nick.
1: tell me. So tell me what, what, what is jumping out to you in Nico Horner's
0: approach. West Loop Tom wants Tim Anderson to take a walk. Honey, we got two weeks left in the regular season, and he's leading all of baseball on average. This is about the title. Let's go. Uh,
1: well, he's 48th in baseball and OBP. Who-
0: cares right now this Uh, is what it is
1: well no that's that's got to get higher I'm sure he would like it to be higher but however you get there is fine it's okay if you start as a hitter and you're this good of a hitter it's like it's like do you demean DJ Lemayhu for being a good batting average guy before the power came in and now he's the complete player that he is that nobody can deny
0: have the Yankees needed that guy yeah and yeah. you mentioned Encarnacion, and he's now got a strained oblique. By the way, uh, he was their insurance policy. That's when I get disgusted.
1: Hey, look, the Yankees are all, are unreal because of how many injuries they have. They lead the world in injured list stints, and yet they're still this good. I was talking to a Yankee fan the other night. Uh, my friend John, a bass player, who came over and he played with Bernie Williams. He was so excited, freaking Bernie, right? Man, I know, and it was it was the dream for John. He's like, "Are you kidding me? Yes, I'll be there." And he came over and played, um, but. He, he he said, as a Yankee fan, he said, this year has been so much fun. He said, everybody's gotten hurt, and it doesn't matter. The next guy comes. Joe Ursula. You know, it's one guy after another. Like, everybody hits. Everybody does their thing. Well, it's pretty amazing for them.
0: It is. And that's always the point we're trying to make. When you talk about World Series teams... The best record in baseball right now belonging to the Yankees, even though the Astros have your eye test. Yeah, it's such a numbers game, and we forget that sometimes. You've got to have that kind of numbers, those kinds of numbers. What
1: the volume of, yes. Uh, of players? Yes, and the Cubs have not had that. They've not had that because the you front have to office have
0: stupid depth.
1: Yeah, and uh, and and they they have not. But now here's Horner. And so let's get back to what you're enjoying about Horner's approach.
0: It's, it's just such a contrast. You talk about that balanced lineup. Yeah. And, and you know what happened to me when you talked about Nico Horner. I thought about Nick Madrigal.
1: Understandably.
0: And you know what a great hitter once told me? May he rest in peace since we're going to talk about my time in San Diego. Yes. Tony Gwynn once said, the 5.5 hole always works. Uh, Hit for average, man. Just make contact. Just do your job. It's okay. You don't have to be the launch angle guy. Have an approach. Yeah, have an approach. Anthony Anthony Rizzo is the best two-strike approach in baseball. We talk about it all the time. Yeah, Nico Horner with a different approach is working. Let's just go with it.
1: And there is a place in the lineup for that if you've got enough boppers. Yes. Then there's a desperate need for it, frankly, in most lineups, especially if you've got enough boppers. And baseball, there's so few balls in play that it is those guys are becoming more important. Yeah, Nick Madrigal is 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 the expected one to kind of round things out. Um, for, for this Cubs offense. Or, sorry, for the White Sox offense. Luis Robert and Nick Madrigal. If they're both here by middle of next season... You know, I, I'd love to see Robert break camp, Um, but if, as long as they've played the service time game this far, they'll probably continue to play it, I would assume, unless they reach an extension in the offseason, which maybe they'll do. Well,
0: with Aloy Jimenez, they did that. Yes, they did. And you saw it work out, and Aloy was up with the big club, and that is what mattered. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I wanted Robert to get here this year. Yeah,
0: I, we all did.
1: Yeah, I, I, because I want I, I want him to start feeling like the important piece of the core that he is, on the big league level, as soon as possible. I want those guys to grow together as soon as possible.
0: They've also talked about his ability to play in the outfield and how he is ahead of where Aloy was at that time. Mm-hmm. So that will be important yeah. to see him and Jimenez in the outfield together. Yeah, and I think Jimenez is going to improve greatly defensively, kind of like what we saw with Johan Mancata this season, moving him over to third. I think I think Jimenez stays in left field. But I think he, the reps that he's getting defensively mm. are going to make such a huge difference for him.
1: It depends on what this offseason brings, free agency wise. Uh, a lot more to talk about, and I'm going to probably make Layla stay longer than she wants to. Layla Rahimi, I'm
0: awake. Whatever, right, I have coffee. You're
1: already here. It is hit and run on six seventy. The score later on. Friend of the score, St. Louis human Chris Ranji is going to join the show as well and uh, because I heard a story about Ranji the other night that I have to share with him and I might as well share it on the air. So we'll do that. It's uh, Matt Spiegel with Layla Rahimi as the guest co-host on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. You're listening to Hit and Run on 670 The Score That is a song called Roscoe uh, by a band called Midlake and I really dug them They kind of blew my mind when I heard them for the first time I was producing Sound Opinions the world's only rock and roll talk show at the time 1999 that song, and that's when um, I learned that the college that they went to and formed at, University of North Texas in Denton, Texas...
0: Go Mean Green!
1: ...is one of the greatest music schools in the country. And they're from Denton, Texas, and went to North Texas, and so did you, Layla Rahimi.
0: I did, and so did Phil Rogers of MLB.com really? previously. Really? You, know, yeah. you know
1: who else went there, musically?
0: Don Henley, Nora Jones... Blue Lou Marini, The yes. list goes on.
1: On and on Roy Orbison, Pat Boone.
0: Yes, it's, Pat
1: Boone. It's like, but it's ridiculous. The volume of like still working musicians and bands, it's it's unbelievable. And that's an incredibly famous music department. So were you aware that when you were there, was like were there musicians everywhere?
0: Was oh, it a yeah. scene? What was it like? Okay, so let's geek out for a second. I played classical viola for the better part of ten years. Yes, <laughs>
1: yes. I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: I was like performing arts, so seeing dance, play music. All
1: I that. I played classical trumpet for about yes? twelve years. But
0: trumpet has some sort of cool element where viola is just like, what are you doing?
1: You know what's funny about that? Viola is like the laughing stock of orchestral instruments. Which
0: makes sense if you know me. Yeah, so it all like, goes together. Like
1: I know a lot of rock and roll jokes about the accordion. Yeah, like um, what's the definition of perfect pitch? Throwing the accordion into the toilet without hitting the bowl.
0: See, and if you listen to Tejano, you know the accordion guy is like the baddest it, dude in the band. It's so
1: important, yeah. But I've heard that same joke from orchestral people about the, the viola. viola. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's, that's mean. mean. So you played viola? That's but, awesome. And I
0: would have, I would have at any other school. College that I had gone to, but I went to North Texas, where unless you want to be a professional and have it take over your life, know, even as a minor, you're not doing it. Uh-huh. The one o'clock lab band is famous. That is the highest level jazz lab band that you can have. So getting to hear them was always a treat. well wow, that's cool. Yeah, so that's definitely something that I was aware of. I went because my mom worked there, and I got, and I got half off out of the gate.
1: oh uh, well done.
0: And I'm always a sucker for a good deal, and. Um, Additionally, it was a big, as you know, I majored in journalism, but it was a big radio school as well. Uh-huh. So in Dallas, it was the funnel to the ticket. And that's where I and that's started where working got. at 19.
1: Uh, at, at 19 years old at the ticket.
0: Yeah, that was fun. It was, it was like college on the radio.
1: Wow, that's yeah. Crazy. So, so you got to navigate that world. My goodness. And then I did
0: weekend overnight traffic, which was a real social life boost.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's along the way, these are some of the things you had to do. My first, my first radio show of consequence in this town was called Down the Stretch with my friend Jason Griffin. We were on the Score Sports Radio 820 and then 1160, or not 820, sorry, 1160, because we had just gone 24 hours. So we were on 1160 from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. on a Saturday night. <laughs>
0: Th- that's it. That's, that's, how, that's, that's living that's the dream, do. kids.
1: That's what you do, baby. That's uh, I- exactly what you do. Um, and savage
0: texter, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference between a chainsaw and an accordion? You can tune a chainsaw. <laughs> See, there You're you savage.
1: go. There you go. My daughter played viola for several years. Lovely <laughs> instrument. Watch your mouth, Spigs.
0: I, I also am a daughter and played viola for several years. We're there cool here, okay? Um, oh, and Wesley Tom passed by. He had Whataburger and Denton. You know who's on the wall? there, the Wall of Fame. Stone Cold Steve Austin! He went to our school. Didn't finish, but is that really important? Uh, He's Stone Cold. He can do no, whatever he wants.
1: Not important. Um, what is it? What is important among... <laughs> oh, there's the Stone Cold music.
0: Oh, God. That's Stone Cold music! But God! That's stone cold. <laughs> <laughs> stone cold music. Jim Ross. That's the only way this can get. Oh, wait a Look at that! Banks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey! Save it for when she's on with Lawrence, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You guys, you guys do your thing. All right, for we God's sake, there sakes. is a
0: lot of wrestling. Talk. I know
1: there is. What do
0: you want from me? I
1: want you to talk to me about White Sox free agents. To be. Isn't that where
0: we left off? Yeah, probably. I think we
1: talked. We left off talking about their off season. Yes, and um, there's some other stuff I want to do next. Uh, next segment with you, but in terms of their off season, Garrett Cole is not coming here, is he? And I say this to Layla, <laughs> who worked at MLB Network, still covers a lot of MLB stuff.
0: Garrett Cole ain't walking through that door. No, the, the, the scuttlebutt and what everybody believes to be the case garrett cole lives in newport beach california ever and he's a scott Boras client yeah. how many things do you want to check off here that says he's probably your best bet is he probably signs with the angels
1: ucla um ucla kid ucla teammates with trevor bauer i believe when uh, they were yes, there
0: trevor bauer of the baseball ranch fame who's now with the cincinnati reds uh-huh, mm-hmm. who uh, the mm-hmm. cubs
1: will see this week i do believe
0: precisely and by I- the way you know who's second in home runs Eugenio Suarez.
1: Yeah. He's good.
0: Mm -hmm. He's good. Mm -hmm.
1: All right. So no Garrett Cole, I don't believe, for the White Sox. There are other options, though. What makes the most sense for them? And I'll give you a few names to consider as we talk about this.
0: Let's do this.
1: Dallas Keuchel.
0: I think that's a good option, depending on how long the deal is.
1: Wade Miley. Yeah. He's had a hell of a year in Houston. A Bumpy last couple of times. Don't they all... Yes, they do. But sometimes it can last. Look at Charlie Morton in Tampa Bay. You can be Charlie taught,
0: blanking Morton.
1: You can learn things in Houston and then take them other places.
0: You can do that. Yeah,
1: Charlie Morton has done that.
0: I've done that.
1: <laughs> right. You worked in Houston. Two years. Um, Hyung Jin Ryu.
0: Yeah, you, you have to be obsessed with the year he's had, especially that first half of the season. Yeah,
1: it has fallen back. It is falling. And that's
0: always what concerns me is the first half people.
1: Yeah. I have a name that I think makes sense for them, but is not he's not good enough anymore. But I just love the idea of his personality being added to this bunch. Go on. And I don't and he's not gonna get a five, six, seven year deal. The problem is that he really likes to hit as well. So I don't know oh, if that's going to happen.
0: Does his name rhyme with Hum Hardner? <laughs>
1: Would it be kind of fun to see Madison Bumgarner as the guy teaching these young White Sox pitchers how to go about their business in a pennant race if they actually have a pennant race?
0: Madison Bumgarner is confounding because you just don't. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get from him over the next couple of years. No, I know, and he, and I don't know that he's going to want a, a deal. This this season and this off season has probably readjusted everybody's expectations or maybe it's made people more mad going into a CBA discussion. Yes. But I I just don't know what you get from Madison Bumgarner. Again, all of these sound like great short-term commitments, right?
1: Well, potentially short term, but really, you know, as you look for the John Lester, as you look for the guy you can bring in, proven postseason dude who can be really solid, make every start for the next few years. And I don't know if that's Bumgarner. So There's, he might not be the guy that he, he's kind of a he's kind of a weird outlier for me. Keichel is the guy who fits it the most, frankly, to me. Yeah,
0: pitches to contact, induces tons of double plays. That's his jam. And his stuff You've is gotta love what he's done in Atlanta. Yes,
1: and his stuff is going to age well, just like Lester's.
0: Yeah. I really believe. Well, Lester it's been my argument that there are about, I'd say, 100 pitchers who owe John Lester money because he became the example of signing a guy to a big deal and having it work out for you. <laughs> like, seriously, well, people owe John Lester money.
1: See, and, and I would say that uh, people owe Jason Worth money because the, the Nationals, before they were ready to compete, spent all that money on Jason Worth to signify to the world that they were a player and to try and accelerate their own rebuild. And it's like if the White Sox had been able to successfully pay Manny Machado this past offseason, that that would have been the Jason Wirth comp.
0: What's funny is there's a very sweet spot during the year where you could have said if the White Sox had Machado, Herb Lawrence actually brought it up, Mm -hmm. that you could argue that the Sox could have led the division. But then now you've got the amazing race going on between the Twins and the Indians. Yeah. But he would have made that much of a difference to that team. Mm. You saw a glimpse of it with what they did against the Cubs last week.
1: Yes yes you did 670 the score is where you are it's Matt Spiegel with you on Hit and Run and we were going to do another segment we are going to do another segment with Layla Rahimi from NBC Sports Chicago Uh, next hour Chris Ranji, St. Louis radio human but score guy is going to join us to talk about that National League Central race and we'll check into the ballpark at Wrigley before we get out of here as well on 670 the score this hour is brought to you by Team Hochberg visit their new website 56David.com that's 56David Dot com. And the bottom of the hour was brought to you by Northwestern Football. Coach Fitz and the Wildcats return to Ryan Field this Saturday when they host Michigan State in the Big Ten opener. Kickoff is set for 11 a.m. season and single game tickets on sale now at nusports.com. We'll be right back on the score.
0: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better
1: over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.